Hello! Welcome, crew, brothers and sisters, friends, comrades. Thank you for joining me here again on the program. I have a really, really special conversation to offer you today, but I want to first offer just a little bit of gratitude to you all. Thank you so very much for listening and for being a part of this little family that we've developed over these past 22 episodes. This is our 22nd episode. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Um, I'm just so fucking thankful to be able to bring you things uh, like this and to do it with a whole lot of love and gratitude and joy. This is um, truly the honor of a lifetime. I, I know that sounds overdramatic and a little cheesy, but it's true. And I just wanted to start by saying thank you. Um, now, I have such an amazing guest joining us today, Isaiah Mitchell of Earthless and the Black Crows. Yes, those Black Crows joined us. But before we get there, uh, there's a little bit of housekeeping I want to cover. There is a new article on the website, therockandrolldiary.com, my website, of course, the link uh, and all of the other things are in the show notes. So be sure to check those notes out for all of the recommendations, for the social links, for the support the work stuff. It's all in the notes for you. Uh, but I wrote a review about Oliver Wood's new album. It's called Always Smiling. It's very, very good. Lots of amazing people helped contribute uh, to that record, including friend of this program, Tyler Falcon Greenwell, of course, of Tedeschi Trucks Band. He's on there, as well as Susan Tedeschi herself, Phil Cook. A whole bunch of amazing folks contributed to that piece of work, and it is absolutely amazing. My review is up on therockandrolldiary.com right now. You can listen to the album on Bandcamp. Uh, that link is also in the show notes. New England people, if you are in and around the New England area, Oliver Wood is coming to New Hampshire, Exeter to be specific, on July 8th, 2021. The time has come. We can go to gigs, and he is bringing his show to us, and you should all go. I will be traveling to Syracuse that day. Uh, to get ready for some TTB, so I will not be there, but you all should be there. Um, the info for that is also in the show notes. Now, moving right along here, Isaiah Mitchell, as I said, of Earthless and the Black Crows, uh, is on the program today. We talked about everything from yoga to Ram Dass to the Groundhogs to Pentagram to Black Sabbath to the genius of Japanese psych rock music. This was so much fun. This was as enjoyable a conversation as I've had on this program. And I know I say it all the time, but I really mean it every single time. This was such a special conversation and I had so much fun. And I hope you will all enjoy this as well. There is a new Earthless album on the horizon, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled. Similarly, the Crows tour is happening. It's really happening. The Shake Your Money Maker 31st uh, birthday party celebration extravaganza will be in a town or a city near you, and you should all go. I will be at the show in Mansfield come September, so please, uh, if you're around, please come say hi in, I don't know, a few months. Anyway, that's all I have for you at the moment, so please enjoy this wonderful, fabulous conversation with the great Isaiah Mitchell. Nice. Oh, damn. 
It made a sound. All right. Good. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I first wanted to say uh, congratulations on the Black Crows gig. That's really exciting. Right on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, to go have that experience and go play with those guys. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about the Crows, of course. I also want to talk about Earthless. Um, but I haven't had a, like a metal person on the show in a really long time. So this is very exciting for me. We're metal. Yeah. I guess we yeah. have, we have a foot, a finger, a toe in the metal pool. For yes, sure. absolutely. Um, so <laughs> let's, I, I kind of want to start here with, you know, um, we're coming out of a pandemic right now, at least here in this country. Um, how did you, I, I, this is the first time I'm going to phrase this in the past tense now, you know, um, how did, yeah, right. How did, um, how did that experience of, of being home for so long, you know, affect you as a musician? Uh, it, it took a minute to get used to because I've never, since I was, I don't even know, probably like early 20s, I've never been home for this length of time. Uh, in my, since my early 20s, I guess, I've, yeah. So in about 20 years, I'm not, I have, you know, I'm always gone like on, on some kind of a tour multiple times a year. So it took a little get, little bit of getting used to. Um, I, I, it made me do things that I hadn't done. I mean, I, I, I was writing a lot more for myself um, and recording just at home. And so I was doing more of that. Um, I went, started going surfing a bunch, which was great, which I'm very grateful for the downtime for that. So, I mean, I was feeling it with different, different things. Um, let's see. I started, I'm a music teacher. I've been teaching since I was like a, in my late teens. And I thought the pandemic was going to, you know, really affect people's income, which I know it did for many, like a, a shit ton. Um, and I wasn't thinking that people would be super into into it, but I was busier than I've ever been before. So I, I was, it was like total opposite of what I thought it was going to be. So I stayed very busy. So I didn't have a lot of idle time. Um, and during the whole lockdown or the, the, the world being kind of closed up, um, I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of time. I stayed busy. You know, I, I still, I had like, more or less, you know, between a part-time and a full-time job yeah. of just like work and then, you know, extracurricular activities like, yeah, going surfing. I got uh, just way more back into meditating and kind of keeping me focused. There's all sorts of anxiety and depression and, you know, my girlfriend's from Spain and we were doing a long distance thing and it was very difficult for us to see each other. And I mean, there's all this and, you know, the anxieties with that and, you know the frustrations with that so it's just a lot of uh it was just a hard time so like adopting these other things that are good for me and kind of put me in a better place um for myself 100 percent. you know just yeah. really looking after myself a lot more and uh so i mean it, it affected me but i i feel like i came out of it pretty okay um mm -hmm. uh it 
I, I, I felt like I could see what I needed to do for myself in, mm -hmm. in replacement of being gone in that constant flow of distraction of touring that I'm so used to. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed it. If there's parts of me that enjoyed it for sure. Absolutely. And Did I think, know? how have you been doing? How have I been doing? I've been doing as best as I can be doing, you know, I have an anxiety. I've, I have an anxiety problem and a, a, a depression, um, which I have talked about on the show before. So I'm not too ashamed to say that. Um, right. Yeah. Um, so meditating for sure. I've been an aggressive meditator for a long, 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 long time. And yoga right. has been a real um, practice for me for I think since I was like seven. Oh, excellent. Right on. Yeah. So like, it's been to have time to have like an hour a day to do that yeah. is an unbelievable gift. And, yeah. you know, usually when I was still in school, I just, you know, school obviously had to be put on hold too, almost kind of sort of ish, you know? So when that was still happening, like I didn't have any time to really dedicate to a spiritual routine at all. Yeah. So to have that was like unbelievable. You know, I was able to spend more time with my family because obviously following bands around, I like am on the road a lot too. So not being home, you know, yeah. in that regard sucks. And and to be able to like hang with my mom on a Tuesday if I want yeah. to. Totally. <laughs> you know? That's it's nice to, you know, have that time now. Yeah. You know. And which is a very important time to take for everyone, you know, for yourself and for your family. It's very important. So yeah, yeah that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I want to ask you too, you know, um, are you from California? I'm from, I was born in Texas, but I've, I would pretty much say I'm more of a Californian than a Texan because I've been here, in, you know, since I was like seven or eight, I think okay. we moved out here. And, uh, but yeah, I, I started, I, we moved to San Diego, Encinitas, California, and when I was in third grade, so we started up in LA and the deserts out there, like, and then slowly kind of migrated down okay. into Encinitas, and now you know I'm back in Southern California again. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. And did you grow up in a musical household? And if so, what did it sound like? Oh, it was great. Yeah, my dad's a musician. Um, he's he's a bass player and he's played since he was a kid that was his you know first love as well his love of music and and uh yeah he was obsessed at a young age and it was it's great so i mean i was a little kid and you know he'd be having band practice at the house you know i'm like two or three years old like running around the house with a toy a red red toy guitar and going to band his band practice out there and his other places that he jam and I just have very fond memories of all of that, um, all of that time. And so yeah, he's the one that turned me on to you know Sabbath and Hendrix and Ten Years After and Blue Cheer and Weather Report and Miles Davis and Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, Robert Johnson, like it's all. From him, my mom, my mom loved music, but she wasn't a musician. But my dad still plays. He's back in Texas and uh, in Bergheim, Texas. That's where I grew up, uh, Bernie. And but he's back there now, and he's playing music and just playing 
covers and doing originals same old shit like mountain and robin trower and all this stuff it's, it's rad it's i'm so stoked and he's he's one of the best singers i've ever heard he's how old are you dad you're like 67 or 68 or something and uh and he's got pipes like it's an unbelievable his singing is just like he's like a tree trunk like like a voice coming out of a tree trunk it's incredible so yeah he's he's the whole catalyst for music in my life mm. you know 100 percent, absolutely that is awesome what yeah. a great collection of bands to be raised on that's the stuff he loved like he loved all of that stuff when he was a a kid well i think out of high school you know when it was like 18 or 19 or whenever it was he went up to san francisco because he heard that lay stevens left blue cheer and they were going to look for lay stevens him and his drummer buddy so they wanted to like, go start a band lay stevens and then i don't think they ever found him but he found him some years later in the 80s actually and jammed with him but uh actually in oceanside i think which is really close to here wow so, yeah yeah so yeah he's that's him. That's badass. And when you first started playing, that had to be those bands had to be some of the ingredients in the sauce that really inspired you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Can you talk about some of the guys, some of the guitar players that were when you heard them, you went, Oh my God, like I gotta do that. Yeah, like uh I mean before I got into more of that kind of music, the stuff that really got me was when i was young like fourth fourth grade like i loved poison i loved cc deville um metallica i loved the metal stuff i don't know the metal stuff was really there joe satriani that surfing with the alien record when i was a kid it was on repeat megadeth all that stuff and then my dad's influences started seeping in you know yeah lee stevens hendrix Frank Zappa was massive. I mean, when I was when I was a little kid, Zappa was my first one for my dad and then Elvis for my grandma. Those were like my two like you know, starting starting points musically that I was really I really really got into just because of my grandma and my dad. Um so Zappa was a huge influence and then um yeah, the day he sat me down to watch the Woodstock video, he's like, check this out. And he put on the 10 years after I'm going home. And I was just like, whoa. So yeah, Alvin Lee, big time. He's amazing. Uh, and I was really obsessed with the Chili Peppers when I was a kid. So John Frusciante and Hillel Slovak were, were very influential when I was a little kid and still are to this day. I still, I, they're some of my favorite guitar players. They've mm -hmm. left a really good impact on me. Uh, they're playing and, you know, Adrian Ballou, the King Crimson stuff, Robert Fripp, Neil Young. I mean, all just, just you keep going. Ry Cooter, Ali yeah. Farka, like all this stuff is like my, my uncle Jerry, my dad, just, they showed me all this stuff, yeah. you know, and it, it just, it stuck. And yeah. There's so much more, but yeah, that time, you know, uh, Tony Iommi, you know, of course, my dad got me into Sabbath and that was big. So, yeah, yeah. I want to ask you specifically about Sabbath because I'm a huge Sabbath fan. I have a Sabbath tattoo, I'm like massive, right. okay. hugely obsessed with Sabbath. 
Um, I, I did not know this until today, but today is the 51st anniversary of the U.S. release of the self-titled record. Right on. So I think it's fitting that we're talking about Tony. Um, what specifically about the Sabbath, I guess, um, I, want, I don't want to call it like an aesthetic or, you know, for lack of a better word, like the Sabbath thing. What was it about that group for you that, you know, that got you, that grabbed you? I mean, going off of the, the first record I heard that like really listened to um, was the first record. So mm -hmm. just hearing it open, like it's just dark and menacing and it's that 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 riff of the song Black Sabbath. And then when it goes to the galloping outro section, it's just like, this is fucking heavy. Like, I don't know any other band at that time that was playing a riff like that. I mean, Jethro Tull on stand up new day yesterday that riff the um the verse riff in particular like that's very sabbath but tony iomi played with jethro toll so i don't know if that influence was there like i don't i don't know anything about it but i could see the relationship if it is if he if, if he did have a hand in that but that's the only other riff that's like like heavy and just fucking powerful like that so the way that that's what really translated for me that came across is this whoa this is heavy shit you know like that the song black sabbath when i was a kid damn and then you listen more and more and you got like yeah the next song like the wizard it's like oh it changes the vibe and now it's like now that I'm thinking about it, it's like sounds like Jethro Tull, Tull as well like it's like interesting you're getting this kind of combination of stuff but yeah, it's it's just the riffs. It's dark. It's so minor. Most of it's all minor. It's there's no major where it's like a lot of bands in that time. You hear a lot of major songs in a major key where this was it was heavy on the minor and like and then it just got heavier in the minor as their albums progress. And it's like, oh, it's fucking heavy. It's it's yeah, dark yeah. and it's heavy and it's tuned down and it's like you just feel this depth to it. it it's great. And there's humor in it too. And seeing those guys like the live footage of them, like they're just fucking kids having a great time and taking the piss, but it's fucking great. Yeah. I don't know. It's so all those things translated. And then, you know, he's a, you know, he's a blazing fast guitar player. Like when he takes his solos, it's great. Heavy blues pentatonic stuff. It's fantastic. And then you got Geezer Butler just holding it down, but doing his thing and Bill Ward doing his thing playing laying amazing beats and his placement of beats is it's great and just crashing it it's fucking great and then ozzy's voice and the lyrics and um so it's it's a great perfect package i mean i'm pretty like sabbath is always going to be sabbath and i love it you know you know i i don't listen to him as much as i used to because i don't feel the need to but when i do go back and i hear something it's like you know it takes me back to a, a time and, and I, I appreciate how amazing they are and where they were and they have they always will be you know absolutely oh for sure and I remember similar to you I remember somebody had played for me the first song the title track Sabbath uh, and yeah. the storm that you know oh, and you hear the yeah. ranking and everything rude. I was I remember being terrified by it like it was the first album that I ever heard where I was like genuinely scared you know 
like really like worried about what was about to happen and then it's just it's like as you said it just is it's just awesome and it's it created a and you know going back over it from like a historical perspective too like it really was you know the beginning of a new sound of music and there's something really exciting about realizing that that's what you're hearing and I think that that for me was something that was really just it was it felt like a really cool discovery um but super influential of course and influenced so many of my favorite bands um which leads me no go ahead it's like when we were kids like i first started hearing stuff on headbangers ball before i knew what sabbath was because they weren't playing sabbath on headbangers ball you know we had slayer and judas priest and like acdc was the one of the first things that ever scared me like why acdc but like um um highway to hell or something watching videos on headbangers ball like that then you go backwards and it just like that's where it kind of started that or no it's not not where it kind of started it's where it started yeah you know so it's nice to go like you're there and then to trace your steps backwards it's the same thing you just keep going back and you're going to get to muddy waters that's where you get to robert johnson and charlie Patton. it's just always goes backwards everywhere goes back there it's really it's cool to to see that Absolutely. And that sort of leads me into this next area of, of thought, I guess. Um, you know, Earthless started in 2001, right? Did I get uh, that yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, we started playing in December of, uh, I think, 2001 it was. Yeah. Like, okay. Our first band practice, our first show is 2002. Yeah. Okay. So like the early 2000s. Um, I went back and I watched that documentary that you guys were part of the Such Hawks, Such Hounds movie, which is a great movie, which I will link to for everybody to go watch it, um, which really unpacks what was happening in California for me in that particular period of time. I'm curious from your perspective, you know, there were so many revolutionary bands sort of happening at that time, you know, High on Fire and Fatsa Jetson and Caius. I mean, it was just like, an unbelievable amount of creativity was flowing out of these out of this area. I'm just curious from your perspective, like what that was like for you guys to be a part of that. Um, I honestly don't think I was realizing it back in the in when I was there. I I didn't really didn't think about it. I don't I don't think like I I was stoked like that we got to play with these bands that I, I just recently discovered, like High on Fire. One of our first shows was with High on Fire and Mastodon, and Mastodon opened up for both of us at the Casbah. It's like, I didn't realize what was going on then, and I didn't really know Sleep too well, but I remember talking to Matt after that show, and he was a really nice guy, but High on Fire was already on my radar, just from the Man's Ruin stuff. So I was into the Man's Ruin because so, I lived in the Bay Area and my friends turned me on to all that and I learned about Drunk Horse who were one of the greatest bands of all time and I got to be in that band for a, for a short spell but it's some of my f- most favorite rock and roll music uh, ever. I love Drunk Horse. So I getting to see these bands, I, di- I didn't know what was going on too much but and in that we were a part of it. I mean I remember when we were, we would play shows with Comets on Fire and it would be like, I feel like this little rivalry between us, you know, it was, it was, in, at least in my mind, there was a rivalry. And I, I was, a, I was, a, you know, I was probably a little bit of an arrogant asshole as well. 
in that and so are they <laughs> which was great and ethan is one of my favorite humans on the planet now i played with Helen rain but yeah it's all it's totally all good but I, I just remember all this this these bands happening but i didn't i didn't really realize what was going on i i was totally oblivious to caius and what was happening out in the desert queens of the stone age i didn't know any about anything about that at all and that's that came way later and you know people often ask like how that stuff influenced us and it didn't like the stuff that happened out in the desert wasn't a part of our world at all like Fu Manchu wasn't a part of our world listening to it now it's like oh this is awesome like I, I enjoy a lot of their music and Nebula I got to I played bass in Nebula for a while and the first time I heard Nebula I was like what the hell is this like I didn't know there were bands today doing what Cream was doing like these loud amplifiers and didn't realize High and Fire was doing that and Sleep had done. There's all these bands doing it. And and then we started doing it. And I was like, this is this is what I've always wanted to do in my bedroom. Like just play with these loud amps after listening to Cream for so long. So yeah. I didn't know there was a scene going on or what was going on or anything until like a lot later. I like in the early 2000s, I was I was just stoked to be playing with full stacks and, and loud and just playing guitar. It, yeah. It, yeah. So it took it, it took me a while to realize though, that oh there's there's a thing happening yeah. it probably wasn't like a 10 years later that i you know started to realize oh oh okay oh look at what's happened here and look what's grown from it and just totally being oblivious of, oblivious of it in in the moment back then for sure yeah absolutely i was, and, I was a kid i was a giddy kid pretty yeah. much you know yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, in watching that movie too, like it reminded me how important the underground is. Yeah, fuck, big time. Right? It's, like, it's, it's great. Okay. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, the importance of groups like St. Vitus or the Obsessed, you know, who nobody talks about anymore, sadly, who were some of the greatest bands ever on earth, if you ask yeah. me. You know, and I remember I even you even mentioned Sir Lord Baltimore, you yeah. know, we're talking about bang and, and groups that were they were working bands, you know, that were surviving and playing shows and, you know, doing their thing that carried over into the United States in this really interesting way. Um, I'm just curious because this is something I think about a lot. Um, why do you think bands like that sort of fell under the the radar of the mainstream? I don't I don't really know it just seems like back then it was a lot tougher like the I don't know because we just know about the bands we know about and they had the impact that they had an impact on but now if those were bands today it'd be a different story I think a lot you know is owed to the internet and it your your name your band can get out there more like I'm naming bands like my dad knew the groundhogs like he was a he was wow. a big he's the one who turned me on to groundhogs actually so that that's cool but like like yeah bands like bang sir lord baltimore pentagram um just yeah saint vitus the obsessed uh all kinds of bands lee found whatever like he didn't know he'd never heard of any of that stuff and that's what he grew up around you know yeah you know the 13 he knew the 13 floor elevators and rocky erickson but it's like yeah it's i don't know it I guess you maybe he didn't search for it enough or we didn't have the know-how or whatever but yeah i think if those bands were around now 
it'd be a different story. Like, and, and that's, that's the cool thing to see is like they reform and they play now and, and they're more popular and they're making more money than they ever did before. Yeah. I, I feel pretty sure about that. You know, like they'll be playing big festivals, you know, and get more, you know, getting the recognition that they deserve because they've influenced so many of the bands that are around today. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's great that they're, they're present and now they're, they're doing that, but yeah, it's, like if Earthless was back around then, I mean, it would take a miracle, I think, for us to become popular. It's just, you know, it, or just as known as we are now, even. I don't know if that would be the case. Right. You know, it's just I think it's just the times are extremely yeah. different. And, 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 you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of those bands didn't get the recognition that they did. But I, I just think it's I have I don't know. I don't know exactly, but I know the Internet has a hell of a lot of, to do with with um, having all these like smaller bands, you know, have more Spotify hits than whatever than these other, you know, famous bands, you know, I, it's yeah. just, I, I think, I think it, it makes sense to me, but I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think also too, part of the problem, at least in my view, in, in, you know, doing some research on it, I guess, is that, you know, in 1972, for example, you know, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin, at the time, were the biggest bands on earth. There's yeah. no room for anybody else up there. There's that too. I mean, you know, who's gonna open up for you? I right. mean, you look at who's opening up for those kinds of bands, and you know, they're legends in their own right. I mean, you got fucking Rory Gallagher opening for people like that. Um, Cactus. Yeah, Cactus. You know, and it they're there and they're, but that's that's still at the top of the heap these days, you know, those, those, those bands, those bands, you know, Rory and Cactus and I mean, who, like Groundhogs, you know, it's, yeah, it's like different tiers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, and then, so like, would the tier below that be a Sir Lord Baltimore or would they be two below that? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. It's interesting to think about for sure, but I want to ask you sort of specifically about Earthless because um, I love that you guys focus primarily on instrumental music. I know um, that you sing on a couple of the songs here and there, but I'm, I'm curious if you can talk to us about why you guys, with what was happening, whatever, you know, why, why focus on songs without words? I think in the beginning in particular, we were so stoked uh, to just jam and, and play instrumental music. It, it just felt natural to us and I think Mike even put it like well we don't we don't have anything to say with words we would rather say it with music and like oh, I'm down with that ethos and I mean I've always you know I before that I sang in bands I, I've it's not that that wasn't available to use like having a vocalist it's just we wanted to just do that it felt good and long improvised jams you know in the vein of inspiration from like the kraut bands like you know the german bands i should say from the kraut rock movement or you know like noi or or parson sounds just these long instrumentals you know or, you know just anything out of there mixed with some japanese freak out you know excitements so uh that was what we were feeling and that slowly changed over time because we just listened to more stuff and we just wanted to do something different and mm -hmm. yeah and so 
yeah, that's, that's the only reason why it just felt good. And, you know, from the early days where it was like, you take like a, like a motif, a theme, and then you play it, you know, you vi- revisit it and you just jam around it, which is like really just improvisation for the most part. Um, we've kind of left that quite a bit actually. And now we've got more structured songs, but lately we've been doing it where it's more structured and you have a, like a length of time that you can kind of improv in it, but it's still, it's more structured than it used to be. Mm. Um, which is interesting. I want to go back to the first record to the first two records where it's just like, here's this wide open space. What are you going to do it? Like, just go be yourself and see what happens. Yeah. I miss those. Like, I, like, I know there's some stuff on like Apple tunes or whatever the hell it's called. And, and, and it's like, like stuff from the Casbah early on. And it's like, that's just pure improv that night. And I really miss those shows. I miss playing that way where it's just no agenda, just going for it and yeah. see what happens. And I, that to me, that's beautiful. I really miss that. Yeah. And I, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll go there again. I, I know we will. Yeah, absolutely. And is that how it felt playing in the desert? Um, I know you guys did a, an album in the Mojave. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and just what that felt like to play music that you all play in an environment like that? Um, it, like anytime we're playing out under the stars or just out under the sky is a good time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would rather play with nothing over my head any day of the week if possible um so that feels good just being out in nature when where you know you can just really go for it volume wise and just you're looking out at beautiful nature instead of looking at four walls it's like i prefer that i think we all prefer prefer that um it was fun to play it was very enjoyable to play uh it was very windy in the daytime and stuff was getting knocked over. So we had to kind of make that get all sorted before they started filming and recording. And then at night in the desert, it like drops 30, 40 degrees sometimes or what it's get, I got cold. They got cold and then the wind too. So it was hard to play um, because my hands were kind of seizing up a little bit, but it was, it came out. I guess it came out. Okay. Then, um, it came out better than I thought it did, but um, yeah, it's it's a fun experience. Like I I, uh, I mean, playing in the desert, it's great. I mean, we used to play out like in Anza Borrego, like San Diego desert, or we did it once actually. You know, just a little generator party out there, and you know everyone's taking psychedelics and you play at like two thirty in the morning, and it's fun. It's just great, you know. Yeah, absolutely all for it and i will always be all for it too absolutely it's sort of like a i don't want to call it like a new age hippie thing but it is it's very communal and it's very yeah. um there, there was something obviously I grew up on motorbikes and and uh tattoos going on now yeah that's right um the uh you know i grew up in massachusetts in a very sheltered sort of do nothing suburban you know town and so the gen- learning about the generator party scene, what was happening out there was sort of like the hippie vibe, like still lives in a way. Yeah, totally. And absolutely. You know, it's just got a different face, but I mean, it's still that same thing. I mean, abso- absolutely. And there's still really 
like beautiful, wonderful people a part of it, you know, good people, not like really mean people or whatever, you know. So yeah. there's always someone that's a little meaner than someone else, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally, it was, it is very like communal. Everyone's cool and for each other and to an extent. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's cool. It's, it's awesome. Absolutely. And I want to ask you a little bit about the drugs, because this was something that was talked about in the movie a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm curious because, you know, there is, I think there is something to be said for using psychedelics or marijuana or any kind of other stimulant um, in, in the services of, in the purpose of creating art, you know, in service of the art. Um, sure. Can you talk a little bit about that in relationship to this music that we're discussing here? Yeah, I mean, just it's, to me, it's like the torch has just, has been passed to to the, our generation or whatever in, in every aspect of it, musically, totally, 100%, obviously, we're just playing the same stuff. It's just, it's, but it's our own way. It's a little, it's different, but you know, you, it, you can, we wear the influence on our sleeve. It's very obvious. Um, and yeah, I mean, drugs have always been there where art is, always. As far as I know, I mean, you would go to the blues guys, you know, that they're drinking whatever drugs they're taking, the jazz guys, they had all kinds of things they were experimenting with that, you know, influenced the way they play and what they wrote. And, and it just continued and continued in different drugs in every era of the birth of rock and roll. The, you know, the psychedelic 60s and the cocaine and the cocaine was there, but then 70s is more and heroin and 60s. It's like, yeah, it's always been there. And so it's always going to be there. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's in, definitely influenced stuff I've written. I've, I, you know, I'm, you know, I've experimented with things before and I uh, so have pretty much everyone that I know, you know. So, yeah, it's it's a part of it. Um, I now, I don't drink anymore. I quit drinking um, and uh, I don't like smoking weed. I never really did, even though I did smoke weed and I did find a place for it that was influential, but I just kind of, it's over, the older I got, I just wasn't into it anymore. I didn't enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of that stuff had an influence on, on what, we wrote and to be able to tap into music a little bit deeper like i i don't i don't know i'm not advocating anything because it's not for everybody that's it's just it's you know there's times when it was wrong for me and i've learned that but it's there's something about it that changes your perspective and you you're not going to get that from being totally clear-headed maybe if you meditate and you have a very heavy meditation practice and you understand the depths of that of consciousness you can go into that and you can tap into it there but at that time in my life that wasn't what was up right you know you know so like my first mushroom trips like that really opened me up and made me see things and changed my life forever um and in that made me see music differently it made me lift listen to music made me listen to music differently and and listen to different music and, and and marijuana also helped open that up and you just have a different perspective and you go different places it's like a different presence like you're like i felt like i was inside of it a lot more 
you know like i was i was surrounded by it and i feel like i was inside of this vehicle i was driving this vehicle musically you know just experiences that i remember being younger under the influence and learning that i can take that back and be sober i like i like oh i get like how that can work and you know i don't need to be under the influence anymore. right so that's it's i think it's great it can also be very destructive but uh overall i mean fuck, look at look at the proof of what it's all created right you know, and i hope everyone that goes there comes back and is better for it yeah versus destroyed absolutely and i i totally agree with you but i also don't think that you know i i there's a you know there's been conversations in like the jam scene over the years about whether or not you have to be inebriated in order to enjoy the music and for me the answer is no it's always no and I think, you know, as you said, there are upsides, of course. And if you'd like to expand your consciousness through some sort of extra, you know, spiritual means, like go for it. But you don't have to do that. No, no. If you love music and you and you feel music, it's all you, you don't need to do. Any, like, that's just totally up to you, I guess, at that point. Right. But yeah, there's there's nothing there's nothing that says music's better this way or that way. It's just music. And it's how you are in the situation and feel it. So yeah. That's right. But yeah, I would be, it's been a, it's, it's been a, you know, a nice assistant to the, you know, the whole vehicle of music and, you know, tapping into something greater and deeper. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Indeed. You know, and that goes back even further to like shamans, you know, music yeah. taking it's all a part of it. So, yeah. yes, but they they were more intelligent and had a greater purpose of using these things. That's the thing is like you have an intention, know what you're doing. Be, you know, don't do it. And, you know, like Bill Hicks, don't do it and go to Astro World and go to like amusement park rides. It's like, don't know, you dumbass. Don't it's more sacred. Yeah. You know? Try to try to be respectful to it, or no, don't try. Just be respectful to it, and because uh, it's powerful shit. Absolutely, right yeah. on. And I want to ask you. Um, I know you guys just finished a record. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's very exciting. So I'm curious about sort of what what are some of the things that are inspiring this new music that's coming out soon. What what kind of inspired that? Mm-hmm. Um. So the songs that we came up with, they, the songs that we recorded, they just came, they just came. We were in the practice space. I think Mike was playing something and I heard it differently. That's usually how things go with us. And I started playing a riff and we all look at each other and we're like, okay, Mario starts playing and we just like, okay, that's rad. And then something else comes and then I was noodling something. Mario's like, oh, what's that? Do that again. And like, do we just do it? And it's just like, it just came from nowhere like just mindless but it's for i think for the three of us i'll speak definitely speak for myself it's my most favorite thing that we've written mm. uh, and it just it all came together very naturally and quickly and effortlessly and it feels like it's a beautiful piece of music that i'm very proud of and i know the guys are as well and i mean it feels very inspired by like our love of Japanese music and 
um, other elements that will, you know, we'll wait, let everyone hear it so they can hear what it sounds like. But like, yeah, some of our Japan, favorite Japanese bands, you know, like like Blues Creation or Flower Traveling Band, and, you know, stuff like stuff like that. You know, those those guys. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's to me, it's like an homage to like our Japanese influence mm. influences. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a bit, little bit about like what about that music is inspiring to you? Um, that they take something that everyone from the West did. I mean, they're taking kind of they're taking a blues based foundation, you know, a rock and roll foundation, whatever, being creative, like in the Sabbath, Deep Purple Realm, which, you know, blues based, but then they turn it into, you know, their own thing. So they have that going. And then what they do that blows me away is that they they have their their selves in it, their culture in it, their, you know, the, the Japanese, you know, the, just themselves in it. And they they do it in a way better than anyone could ever do it. They take it to a different level and, and a different intensity um, and a, just a different power. To me, it's it. It, it all it's always just gotten me i don't know the way that the japanese bands have just taken that music and just in a way reinvented it or breathed so much good like fresh life into that kind of music it's yeah it's refreshing mm. and i mean that happens till to this day like like kikagaku moyo um high rise acid mother's temple uh they're so cool. They're amazing. Like I love those bands. Like Green Milk from Planet Orange, DMBQ, Mono, um, uh, Minimi Deutsch. It's like you've heard this music before. You know, again, it's not reinventing the wheel, but they're taking something and they breathe this life into it. That's like, wow! Like it's it's so good, and it's refreshing. And like, just I, I say it like they do it better than anyone else. Like these bands are are more exciting than hearing, you know, other bands of that kind of genre or style. It's just I don't know what it is. It's just it's it's great. They're powerful. Yeah. All, I, I don't know. Japanese music is in that world, in the rock psych world or whatever, blues world. Uh, they just man, they just bring it, bring it really hard and kind of blow everyone else out of the water. Mm, so this is our like in my eyes my heart i feel it's like a, a an homage to them yeah. that's beautiful but thank you yeah that's what that's, it feels yeah and that's beautiful and um when can people expect to hear it i know that you know everybody's plans are sort of shifting around right now but can we expect to hear something soon probably i, don't, I think at the end of the year maybe or uh early next year I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's something like that. Okay. Yeah, it's not going to be, we're going to have to wait a minute. It's just the whole pressing plant world. And I think a lot of people are making records right now. So there is a wait list. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to shift gears just a little bit. Um, obviously, we mentioned the Crows at the top of this. Um, very exciting. I've been a Crows fan for a really long time. And yeah. um, 
I'm just curious, like, how did this come your way? And what happened? Like, what did you think when you got that phone call? Um, I, well, I've known Chris for a long time, probably oh, about 10 years now. I, cause I, when the, the band Howlin' Rain, I used to play with the comments on, the main guy from Comments on Fire, Ethan Miller, he started Van Halen Rain. I moved to the Bay Area um, and him and I, I joined his band and I recorded with him on the Russian Wilds. And he was already really good friends with Chris because I guess Comets or Howlin' Rain toured with the Crows, I think, something like that. But they were, they're super tight. They're, you know, they're very good friends. And uh, yeah, and then Chris moved to the Bay Area and you know i just see him around more and more and and when i was with Hal and rain we were playing with the chris robinson brotherhood quite a bit so i got to know him you know a lot more and we we became buddies pretty quick he was cool as fuck he's still cool as fuck we just we just hit it off really early and quickly and he's a wonderful dude and then um uh yeah and then he him and ethan they wanted to do like a Nuggets tribute night at, at Phil Lesh's place, Terrapin Crossroads. Oh shit, my battery's gonna die. I gotta take us to the inside the house. Ouch. Um, so uh, yeah, so we. What do, what do I say? Yeah, so I did. It. I played guitar and bass with that, and then his band Greenleaf Rustlers. They needed a guitar player because their guitar player um had some gigs so they asked me to play like you know a gig that they had pardon all the movement um so yeah i mean so we got we got to know each other musically as well you know and we hung out and hung out and then you know he asked if i would you know want to try out for the crows and i was like yeah sure sure why not and so i went to Nashville and try it out. And I didn't think it was a, a chance in the world that I could do it because hey, they're the Black Crows, they can get anywhere when they want. And I was going to Music City. I mean, I know Austin's also that, but Nashville, it's like, they're just like the best musicians in the world. And I don't know, I, was, I wasn't I was expecting it, but I, yeah, I ended up, yeah, getting the gig. So, um, sorry. No, it's all good. Um, so anyways, yeah, I, yeah, it's just, just how it happened. And yeah. yeah. That's so. crazy. Um, and what a beautiful story. I am curious, obviously, you know, I, I know you work with Earthless and, and stuff like that. How, how does it feel to you to go from playing in a band like Earthless to now playing Crow's tunes? Um, I, I like it. I, the thing with Earthless is that early on, especially we, we always, we had other things going. Mario had his hands in like four different bands. So it's like kind of mixing it up. And I love to play. And I've always played since when well, no, I was a teenager with so many different groups and, and scenarios totally different from the other, like different worlds completely. So I just love to play and I love to play all kinds of different music and different approaches and wear different hats or whatever. I'm, I'm totally down for it. And it, it's a healthy thing musically. So um, yeah, it's a totally different animal. Like Earthless is very free. I'm the, you know, the guitar player, I kind of set the melody and, you know, the, the, you know, musical vocalist and all that kind of stuff. Like it's that, 
you know, I'm very free. Whereas the crows, it's like, it very much like this is, you got to be in here and you, you got to play in this way. You know, you can't do some weird Indian shit if you want to do that, that in this part, it's like, you can, but it, it's probably not going to work. And it, you probably wouldn't want to ever do that again and, you know, get weird looks from folks in the band. Where the fuck are you at, man? Like, so it's like, yeah, we, and I'm totally fine with that. I love that. I, that's, that's a whole exercise and, and, and a certain presence as well is like trying to fill this space a particular way the best you can in the most tasteful way. It's, it's a wonderful exercise to be in as well. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. it. And it's a challenge because it's a, to a totally different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like you're playing, you know, I'm playing at someone else's music, which is great. I love playing other people's music. I'm a big fan of it and bringing myself to the party and being myself, you know, in that. So it's, it's, I, I enjoy it. I've always enjoyed having, you know, multiple options of people to play with. Mm -hmm. And, Absolutely. and, different it's great and I, I i will always be that i mean you know i always want to play with whoever i can you know when the opportunity is there yeah absolutely and i'm just curious you know were you familiar i, I have to believe that you were familiar with the band ahead of time and oh, if so was, yeah. what were some of your favorite black crows moments what are some of the the records that did it for you oh yeah i mean uh yeah i was a fan but as a kid, like Remedy is one of my, like, that's my favorite song of theirs. And that song is just, to me, that's a killer song. It's such a great song. Um, yeah. And I loved watching the videos when I was a kid, like watching MTV, like so many of us, like, yeah, watching that video. And, you know, and to me, what always got me was the guitar player, like, well, Rich, like the band that part of the song like when the video go to him and then and then mark ford like his guitar playing like fuck amazing <laughs> like i i love mark ford's guitar playing and i always have since i was a kid it's very like had the hendrix thing which i was a huge study of yeah. like hendrix was my guy it still is and it's like that like hearing someone do that like it was great. It's like same thing as like, you know, being the same age and like watching I'm going to Lenny Kravitz. Are you going to go my way? But that guitar player to me was a Clapton. He was like doing the Clapton thing. And it was like this, that stuff was very influential when I was a kid, the Crows and in, in that era of Lenny Kravitz. But so, yeah, anyways, I'm diverting from what the question is, but like, yeah, like, yeah, that record Southern Harmony was yeah. very much a part of my young life as well as shake your money maker you know due to the heavy airplay they got on mtv and and you know i had the cds when i was a kid but yeah, yeah that and you know um amorica came a little bit later and those were the three because i didn't get too much into stuff after that but i saw them a couple times and they were great yeah. um, i really enjoyed seeing seeing them play um so i'm in san diego and then i saw him at a festival the first time i met chris was at a festival in uh vittoria um in uh the basque country and the basque um yeah it was so yeah that i mean i was a fan when i was a kid yeah definitely. yeah and then 
now it's like going back and playing those songs. I mean, the first time we, we played at the Bowery, like the first show, when Rich just opens up with twice as hard, hearing that riff, like seeing everybody freak out in the crowd. I felt like I was in the crowd at that moment and I had to like, dude, snap out of it. We were right here. It was like, it was, fuck, that's a killer opening. Like that. Oh, that's it. Gives me, it gave me chills that that energy yeah. um yeah so it's it's a trip that i'm on stage playing guitar you know it's, yeah. it's weird it's 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 awesome and I'm, I'm i'm stoked about it and Absolutely. there's a part of me that's like that that kid of course yeah. that's know? beautiful that's beautiful and i i uh i'll tell you that you'll appreciate this i'll tell you the story my english teacher in high school was a massive crows fan like okay they were his band and he was like school of rock teacher kind of you know every now and then he would say like go home and listen to this every right. now and then he would do that and he said at the time i think chris was married to kate hudson or something mm -hmm. it was like right around the time like the beginning of the brotherhood and uh when he was really looking like hippie chris yeah and um he said go home and look up black crows live and you'll understand why Kate Hudson is married to Chris Robinson. Like, you'll get it. And I did that. I went home. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I went home and I looked up Black Crows Live and a video from 92 came up. I think it was some like one of those TV shows where they would like record a concert or something. And it was just like the whole show. Yeah. And it was like they were levitating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. it was and you were talking about Mark Ford, like not only does he sound like Hendrix, as you said, but he looks like a rock guitar player. Yeah, yeah. You know, totally. with the Les Paul and all those Marshalls and he's got like the cigarette hanging out of the side of his mouth. It's like, yeah. that is rock and roll right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vibe, so much vibe. Those guys had so much, and they still do have so much vibe, but yeah, looking at that old stuff, like fucking vibe. Mm -hmm. I mean, southern harmony at that point there's not a fucking more vibey band i don't know i mean there is there's tons of great vibey bands but like those dudes were just oozing fucking ex expression and and yeah total vibe and charisma and swagger and fuck you and we're the fucking best try to follow that shit kind of attitude it's like and it was backed up yeah it was great yeah it was fucking great Oh yeah, for sure. And it must be so exciting for you. Obviously, you know, I was, I, I'm so excited to go see you last summer and, you know, obviously the world had other plans. Um, how excited are you all to get back out there and finally take this show on the road? Fucking excited. Yeah. We got together a little bit ago and good. And when everyone knew like, yeah, it's on, it's like the lightness and just, everyone had a really big smile on their face just to see each other knowing that it's like oh here we go here we go it's happening and I think everyone's so pumped and light and stoked and just every you know just positive description of giddiness that I could think of yeah everyone's really looking forward to it everyone's, yeah 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 absolutely I'm, I'm, I can't wait it's gonna be a wonderful experience a beautiful experience and getting to play music with those guys is going to be 
a wonderful thing and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so pumped to come see you. I, you know, I never got to see the crows back in the day. So this is like a huge thing for me. Obviously, Shake Your Money Maker was this like monster influential record in my life. So this is very, very exciting. Um, before we wrap up, I do have some fun questions that I ask everybody. Um, these are sort of like the rapid fire questions. Um, what is the best concert you've seen in the past few years? Hmm. Shit. Um, well, last year's a wash, so what, two years ago? Let me try to think about that. Um, I enjoyed seeing um, Tropical Fuck Storm and Mini Me Deutsch in Barcelona. What an amazing name for a band. Yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend and I, we went to see them. And it was fun. It's just, I, Tropical Fuckstorm, they're from Melbourne, Australia. And um, I really liked their debut record. And they were just, they happened to be playing. So we got tickets. And um, yeah, it's just cool. That record is fantastic. The first record of theirs, a song wow. called Let, Let, Let My Tires Down. That, like, whatever, that it's great. And so seeing it live, it was, it was just cool to be there. So it's something very memorable her and I got to see together. Mini Me Deutsch as well. Um, I'm blanking. Yeah, I'm going to say those two for right now because that's the first that come to my mind. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to check those guys out. That sounds like whatever they're, it sounds like, it sounds awesome. They're rad. They're really, really good. Really good. I'm excited to listen for sure. Um, what is your most memorable moment on stage? Uh, I, I, uh, the time Earthless played with Damo Suzuki from Can at the 2018 Roadburn. Yeah. And we had Ryu um, from Kikugaku Moyo come and play sitar and, and keys synthesizer. I mean, it was a total improv set. It was like, we were talking about like total improv freedom. That was one of those nights. And that was one of the most refreshing nights musically I've had in so long. Um, and playing with Damo, I mean, what can you say? Yeah. Damo Suzuki. And it was, it was just a beautiful experience to feel his energy on stage and for us to all kind of migrate and move together musically and listen to each other and it was amazing. I don't know. That's that's my favorite for sure. That's all. That's going to be at the top of the list forever. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 What a beautiful, magical experience. Um, one new album right now that you're enjoying. Oh, one new one new album. Don't mind me. No, it's all good. I have to look because hmm, it's <laughs> gonna be funny. I was listening to uh, a Tibetan monks record, so that's I love my, that. Stuff. Yeah, so that's my new favorite new record. That's uh, beautiful. <laughs> East Asian music is so gorgeous. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, uh, I listened to the new Fleet Foxes record recently, and I dug that. Um, I, I they're a great band. I, I really enjoy the Fleet Foxes. I don't listen to them often, but they're great. Um, beautiful vocals and I really love their arrangements and um, yeah we'll go we'll go Fleet Foxes and the newest uh, Tibetan monks you know chanting record that I heard 
It's beautiful stuff. I don't know, my, my brain outside of like listening, like I teach and I have to teach a lot of music, but I don't know. I just, my head has been in this like kirtan meditate, like chanting world lately. I mean, that fits. I've been taking a Ram Das course for the past four weeks and I've listened uh, to nothing but kirtan. <laughs> Ram Das is, yeah, I've, I've been spending the past couple of months, I've been spending some time with Ram Das for sure. I think we all should spend some time with Ram Das, that's for sure. Fuck yeah, he's beautiful human. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, and while we're on the kirtan tip, everybody should go look up Krishna Das. So. Absolutely, I've seen him perform a couple of times. No kidding. Oh yeah, I, at a yoga studio I used to go to in Encinitas, he would he would perform there. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome. What was I mean, that it, like? There was a room full of people chanting Hare Krishna and chanting all kinds of different things. And it was great. And it was a very serene, beautiful mm -hmm. energy across the room. This is when I was like 17 or something, 18. It was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was awesome. That's really cool. The yeah. he, um, fun fact about Krishna Das, and I don't know if you know this, but he was in a band that eventually became Blue Oyster Cult. Did you know that? No, I knew he was a rock and roller. He was aspiring, but I did not know he was associated with Blue Oyster Cult. I fucking <laughs> love Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, right. okay. Isn't that great? I knew he's a rocker, but oh, it, it, of all the things, it was Blue Oyster Cult. That's insane. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's like, looks like he was going to be going in either direction. Would have been awesome. Yeah. But oh, yeah. He sure. found himself and followed what he wanted, of course. I'm grateful for what he, who he is and what he's given to us. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just love the idea that in a different world, Krishnadas could have been like playing on Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Dude. Wow. Okay. That just blew my mind. Okay. He's so fucking cool now. He was already fucking cool, but yeah. That's great. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything you listen to that might surprise us? Uh, probably Tibetan chants. I don't know. Um, like I'm into that Madonna MDMA record a little bit. <laughs> I like that song that hung up on you that they use the ABBA uh, yep. thing. I love that song. I don't know. I mean, I like, you know, I, time to time again i'll go back to blood sugar sex magic because it's a great fucking record um the radha krishna temple that george harrison pretty like i don't know like is that weird i don't know mgmt i love tame impala i love dub music uh lee scratch perry i'm just going through all this shit incredible string band i love yeah. soul um the girlfriend got me into the sheepdogs and the idols they're fantastic um I love bluegrass music, you know, Bill Monroe. Yeah. Um, Alice in Chains was a big one for me growing up. Chris Christopherson. I'm just listening to Tribe Called Quest. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, uh, NWA, uh, Public Enemy. I don't know if it's all like surprising or not. I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't. I don't really do that. It's just music and you like it, you like it. But yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people associate me with like listening to only heavy music. I usually, I can't stand heavy music most of the time. You know, mm -hmm. I, it's, I'm just, it's not my energy level. Uh, yeah. I, I want something that's it's just something different than that, you know? 
yeah john martin if you never heard john martin he's unreal um flaming lips marcus king billy strings Popol Vu, Nick Cave, Little Feet. Yeah, it's just all over the uh, Yeah, all over the map. I don't, I don't yeah, I don't know. Uh um yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's great. I think I'd like some wait. I know there's some Taylor Swift songs that I think are all right. <laughs> and that's that's the truth. I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's all good. Music is music is music. That's for sure. Doesn't matter if you like it, whatever it is. If you like pudding or if you like cinnamon toast crunch, doesn't matter. That's right. Anyone else thinks. Absolutely. Um, what's one book you've read uh, during the pandemic? The Yoga Sutras of Pantanjali. Um, for my, my girlfriend, she's got me reading that. So that. Um, uh another one i started reading a, a while ago five personality traits of people so i can't think if that's the title or not um uh dalai lama's letting go of hate i think is the one i finished yeah that that's me that's been my mode for some months now like that that world yeah. So that's, you know, that's where I, that's where I'm at. Yep. Oh, yes. Kind of all around. So absolutely. I'm getting ready to take a yoga teacher training in a few months. So I will be diving right on right in along with you. Um, yeah, my girlfriend, she's she just became a yoga teacher as well. Nice. Congratulations. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I should connect you guys. Yeah, it'd be, it could be. I don't know. See, interesting. No, that'd be cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my mom's been a teacher for, my mom's been a Kundalini teacher for a number of years and also has a vinyasa uh, certification. So nice. um, given that my regular degree is now finished, it's time to fully dive into something I'm really, really passionate about. So we're going to do that. Um, three things you're grateful for. Um, my health. Um, being surrounded by people that love me, my girlfriend, my family, my friends, and just uh, just the experience of being alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, the most exciting part of getting back on the road is... Playing music for people that really want to hear some live music yeah yeah been a long time coming fuck yeah absolutely yeah a month would have been a long time coming you know two months like would have been a long time coming so yeah this is this is we never experienced anything like this so yeah it's it's time yeah Yeah. do you have any just because this is a question i'm curious about do you have any thought because we've been talking a little bit about the spiritual stuff but just uh, because i'm curious do you have any idea of what it might feel like to get back out there and in, in this new era of post-COVID life? I think there's going to be a greater appreciation for what that you know what it means to play music and what it means to be an audience member watching someone play music. Mm. 
as because I'm going to be in that boat too. Just the overall live music experience. It's never take it for granted. I think it's going to be something that I'm going to hold on to, or I'm not. I don't think I know it's going to be something that I hold on to with a higher reverence than I ever have before. Mm -hmm. um, now experiencing, you know, having it taken away from us for so long that we, you know, haven't all been able to be together in that in that situation. So I, like, I'm gonna be so happy and I'm, I feel blessed and grateful that I do it in the first place. And then again, you know, that you get to be in such an experience that you're, you're experiencing that give and take, that energy between you and the crowd or the crowd and the person up on stage. And that's a very special, special energy that takes place mm -hmm. that it's not, it's only from my experience, that's the only time you get that, that particular experience in those, that scenario. So I'm gonna hold everything way closer and I'm gonna have more fun than I've ever had. I'm gonna enjoy it more and more and, and like, every night just you know you know respect it you know respect it and 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 remember what all this was like you know being apart from it because there's a huge humongous hole it, it's been a, a massive hole for so many people uh and it, it's i just want to treasure it and give it a lot of love and respect that it deserves and just always just always be show my my gratitude for it yeah yeah that's right a on. different level different level yeah right on right on for sure and this is my last question um i ask everybody this question uh why do you love to play music because it feels amazing and i love i love expressing myself and if it you know it's brought me so much joy uh, listening and watching other people perform. And I've, I have a taste of what it's like for me to be the performer and people to receive joy from that. And it's a beautiful feeling. And, and um, you know, I, I don't do it for that reason alone. I do it because it makes me feel fulfilled. And it's, it's my heart, it's, it's, it's a meditation. And it's, I love it. And it's just, it's, it's a part of me. It's what I've been a, a part of for so long, if not my whole life, you know, through my father. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I yeah. love it. music is, yeah, it's, it's what I love. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. And uh, before we let you go, where can the people find you? Where can the people find Earthless? uh on the socials so that people can stay connected yeah i i mean i have an instagram handle izzy mitchy um earthless is earthless rips i think you i got a facebook page that links the instagram as well as earthless as we all have that so yeah those are the spots great great yeah. well thank you so much for being here and, and taking so much of your time and uh, i consider you a friend and a friend of this program so you're welcome here anytime awesome well holler if you if you want to chat again on the program it'd be awesome i'm happy absolutely. to do <laughs> absolutely thank you so much have a nice one isaiah thank you good to meet you likewise take care Bye.